Grand Rising, everyone. Natalie coming to you live. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Salud. Interesting enough, I'm drinking out of my Slytherin mug today. Um, the snake, right? The mother goddess snake has been um, talking to me, um, coming to me uh, mythologically, symbolically, right? Um, coming and the mythology of the the snake, right, in Turkey, which is kind of crazy because, um, as you know, there's was a great earthquake that happened, and I don't know if it's timely, but there are these Netflix shows that have been coming out about the snake goddess um, and how uh, she is coming to, you know, wipe out humanity for for the sake of what we've done, which is kind of crazy when you look at mythology and what we see happening, and and no idea about shamaran shamaran i think is the name of the the mythological uh, snake uh um goddess and um and and it's crazy that there's this energy happening in turkey as these are coming out but so in the i would say in the collective consciousness somehow we um our imagination our ability to tap into these higher cosmic energies somehow has a shift which is is crazy and if you're tap if you're tapped in this way um, you can kind of, I don't want to say prophesize, but it is like prophesizing. It's being able to connect into the collective consciousness and kind of see how things are going to shift and change. And when we see this mythology rising, um, even in Netflix shows, right, which is kind of crazy, um, somehow one of the Netflix shows was Shamaran and the other one is um, The Gift. And they came out before this, you know, great earthquake happened. And and it's just kind of crazy because these archetypal patterns from the collective consciousness will come to us and kind of give us an idea of what is to come, um, which is interesting, right? And then you say, well, is there is that coincidence or was it supposed to happen that way? Or was it giving us some sort of clue as to what is to come or what is to happen if we you kind of don't wake up, right, and, and get our act together? Um, in that, um, I've been um, taking a class right now called Living Systems. If you don't know what Living Systems is, it is one of the new paradigms that is emerging. Um, a paradigm is a worldview and how we see the world and how the world is shaped. Um, and we we live under these bigger paradigms um, and they become the collective, like culturally, right? It, it shapes culture, society, and how we operate in the world. And so... Um, living systems come up and in the class in the course that i'm taking we did something called the council of all beings now the council of all beings is a um it's sort of a, a byproduct of what happened after a woman was doing research on the wicked problems that are happening in the world now there's this concept of wicked problems that comes from living systems living systems gives rise to understand that there are these wicked problems that arise that we don't have control over right we as a human species think we can control things but we don't these wicked problems put pressure on species here on the planet earth so it puts pressure on you know us it puts pressure on other living species but mostly us right because we're the ones who are conscious of it and the ones who are trying to change something um so anywho we have these wicked problems um and part of that imagination right which is what's really important and and picking up on the collective consciousness we were asked to choose a being choose a particular being 
and you know the first being that came to you right and that could be a system it didn't have to just be an animal it could be you know the the atmosphere right which is a system in itself um it could have been condensation or rain or water or it could have been steam or you know whatever it was um and so people picked their their individual being we had you know people that were coral reefs we had people that were turtles and what in the council of all beings what you do is you embody the creature that you're becoming and you talk to the humans and you tell them hey this is what's going on this is what you're doing to my planet but first you talk as a council of what you're worried about with your species who you are as a species and what you're worried about powerful 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 um ceremony and ritual to do um and then somebody acts as a human being in the circle and then the council of all beings will tell the human you know what they're doing to their species what they need to know and then they give them some advice how to move forward you know what what can you do to support us so anywho in this council of all beings i ended up getting called by the cosmic mother which is like such a huge vast energy now that energy potential is something that's beyond me um almost too much and honestly i was trying to run the opposite direction right? i was like i don't want this energy please don't give it to me it's too much i think i'll be a cricket and i wanted to be a cricket and then you know you know the the cosmic mother said no she kept tapping me on the shoulder like no you need to you, this i have things that i need you to say and i'm like i don't want to because it's too much right it can spiral you into a depression and that's why people working with the big archetypal energy have to be very careful you can lose your mind really and um or get washed up by the sorrow that you feel um and so i thought well maybe i'll be steam that would be cool or you know i don't know condensation i don't know something like that didn't work out for me um, and in doing, being the cosmic mother and listening to her voice and really what she had to say, um, what it really boiled down to is, you know, how we are as a species on, on the planet and mother earth and all living systems on the planet, um, and how all these systems are interconnected. Now, I don't agree a hundred percent with living system theory. I don't think it's the best paradigm for us, um, to actually cling on to um, because it does come from a very mechanistic worldview. So I would just say probably not a good way to go as um, a species. I think there are probably better ways for us to imagine the world and, and to um, give rise to a new paradigm that is inclusive and honors the mother, honors mother earth, where I don't think living system necessarily honors, I think there's, an opportunity to continue to extract from her <clears throat> and really keep the imbalance going. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in this um, process, there was a great morning, right? A great morning where you can imagine your grandmother coming to you, your grandmother being like, yo, um, you're hurting my daughter, you know? And, and, and what came is that, you know, the earth, the mother earth came to cosmic mother and said, why have my children forsaken me? For what reason have they forsaken me? What have I done wrong? Where have I gone wrong? Um, and in that there was great sorrow. 
um, I don't feel like the mother was angry. You know, I think there was a time where there was chaos and, and perhaps that feeling of rage. But at the end of the day, I feel like the earth is mourning and sad and, and deep, deep, deeply sad at what we've done um, to her. And I don't want to dismiss it because I feel like there are people who dismiss it by saying, and I used to do this and, and something I will not do going forward is to just say, yeah, you know, even though humans have made a mess of it, the mother earth will just shake us off. You know, we're just nothing anyway. That's not true. Um, what is true is that we have caused a lot of damage to the earth and regardless if we're able to and i don't even think we it's not us even fixing it regardless if we survive as a species or not and regardless if the earth is able to move on and heal from all of the damage that we've done there's still a great warning for the loss of the life and, and in masses of the life of the species that we've killed off and that mourning is felt by the earth and somehow when we don't acknowledge that and we dismiss it we're just saying that it's okay let's just continue to do what we do when the earth and the mother is calling for us to be with her she's asking us to remember her to come back to her to spend time with her to be with her to wrap your arms around a tree and acknowledge that she exists and that she too mourns and that she too has cycles and that she too has suffering and that we have actually sped up the suffering and that we have contributed to that suffering in monstrous ways, huge ways, ways that I don't think we even understand. Now, is she mad at us? No, I think the mother gives before she takes. And I think we've just taken and taken and taken and we haven't given back. And I know that native cultures and, and stuff, they give back to the earth, you know, they, and if they take, they ask for that blessing. And that was the reason why, because they understood that the cosmic, that the earth mother and the cosmic mother were givers of life. They were the givers of, of breath. And, and we somehow have totally disconnected from that. Um, and I think, you know, I myself have gone through cycles as a woman um, where there was rage and chaos and disorder. But at the end of the day, that's not really what the mother wants. The mother is asking us to be with her. And we've somehow disconnected from her. We've forsaken her. And I think I used to say that all the time. Oh, she'll fix herself. You know, us humans, she'll just shake us off like fleas. But I don't think that the earth, Mother Earth wants to shake us off like fleas. She wants us to be with her and love her. Show compassion for her, mourn with her, and take responsibility for the suffering that we've inflicted upon her. Not act as though we didn't do anything, but really say, you know what? Yeah, we messed up. We totally went left field, we went rogue, and we've harmed a lot of the species that you've gave birth to. And, and there's a great mourning that's happening. And I think that if we're able to mourn what we've done and the things that we've killed off, right? 
and 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 go into that despair and and i was reading in the book um world is lover world is self i mean she does a phenomenal job um joanna macy of describing the difference between the the grief and despair she explains the distinction between the two where despair is just the acknowledgement of the suffering we've inflicted, right? Recognizing that we've inflicted suffering on the planet. The mother, loving the mother and being with the mother. Going outside and, and, and smelling the flowers and giving thanks for the fragrance that she puts on our nose, right? And that we're able to smell. And for the fact that we are a part of her and the earth and the dirt that created us allowed us to even see the flower allowed us to even recognize that there was color on it that allowed us to smell and taste to feel but somehow we've lost our way and and until we can actually take responsibility. Every single person on the planet can take responsibility for the pain that we've inflicted upon the mother and ask her to be with us as much as we get to be with her. I don't even know that a, a forgive me is, is necessary because I don't think the mother doesn't forgive. She, she's already forgiven us. It's already, it's, it's, I think she just is waiting for us to remember that she's, she is the mother of all mothers for us, for these, the species on the planet. And somehow we've lost our way. So when we look at it and, and if you feel, and, and I don't know how many people, for me, I call it cosmic empathy. And I don't think anybody um, has ever said that word. I think there's cosmic empathy comes up, but if you're a cosmic empath, which I don't even know that there's any research that talks about cosmic empath, um, and you can feel the cosmic energy moving, and then, you know, the planetary empath where you have people who can feel the planet moving, and then you have people empath, right, where people feel empathic towards other people or animals or whatnot. But cosmic empaths can feel it all. And I don't know how many individuals are really open and perceptive to that. And, and you know, it could be clairvoyance or whatnot. What but being able to feel that energy for the, for the entire planet is, it can drive somebody in crazy. You can drive somebody crazy, mad. You can go in seriously. So really tapping into what does it mean, right, in order for you to... Take care of yourself and not spiral and, and still be able to connect to the great mother, still be able to be one with the great mother. Um, and something that happened during my journey in connecting to the great mother was the, the opportunity to understand that I too need boundaries as a human, that I, I cannot take, this is not, the problems that we're facing right now is not uh, somebody's going to come save us. And I think some people religiously think that that's what's going to happen. <clears throat> that, you know, something from the sky is going to come and save us. The reality is it's our job to save ourselves. It's our job to reconnect. It's our job because then we place it on 
something outside of us. And the reality is, is we're the ones living it and experiencing it. And in order to save ourselves, we have to recognize that we've done some very, 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 very harmful things to the planet. And we got to be able to, or we have to be able to accept and acknowledge that we're part of the reason we see the world the way it is. Because we can't imagine something different until we do that, until we heal past that trauma that we've created for ourselves. And recognizing that the Earth Mother is a part of that. Allowing ourselves to reconnect with that. The Cosmic Mother, the Earth Mother. And being with her is part of it. I don't believe that she needs more than us to just be with her. It's like kind of funny too because. Part of why I don't 100% agree with living systems is that they focus on fixing problems, problems, wicked problems, all these problems, problems, problems. It's such a masculine way to look at the world, right? And and my therapist, right, I was in therapy, she said something pretty profound, right? She's like, well, yeah, you know, it's like men, they want to fix us all the time. We don't need to be fixed. The earth doesn't need to be fixed. She needs to be remembered. She just needs to be remembered. She needs you to be with her. She's not broken. Now we have caused damage to her. We have caused the very problems we're trying or seeking to resolve. And we continue to try to resolve these issues thinking that we, it's like a God complex, thinking that we can resolve these issues and we cannot solve them. We need to resolve the infliction within ourselves, the confliction within ourselves, the, the, the internal sorrow and the internal anger and frustration that we have within ourselves. That's where we need to resolve those issues. So that we can then reconnect with the very place that gave us life. So that we can remember her. So that we can come back to her and say, thank you for the gifts that you've given me. For the breath that I have. But somehow that's been lost. And somehow we just have, we have totally disconnected from that. Totally. All of us. We don't need to fix anything. It's the same thing. It's like, be with her, empathize with her, love her. Like, I can't stress that enough. I would say Lover, uh, World is Lover, World is Self is such a powerful book in terms of, um, she does talk about the grief. Let's see if I can find um, where she has it. I mean, it was um, a pretty profound um, yeah, so we're talking about like uh, despair, right? And and what despair and grief is. Um, to feel despair in such a cultural setting can bring with it um, a sense of isolation. The psychic dissonance can be so acute as to seem to border on madness. The distance between our inklings of apocalypse and the ten tenor of business as usual is so great that though we may respect our own cog 
cognitive reading of the signs, we tend to imagine that it is we, not society, who are insane. Okay, turning toward our despair is not as simple as it might sound. There are many ways we modern people impede our experience of despair and protect ourselves from truly knowing what we know. We can stop ourselves from feeling through psychic numbing. Then, once we feel it, we often hide it, and in addition, we may treat despair as illness or as personal pathology. Psychic numbing, when we are fearful and the odds are running against us, is easy to let our heart and mind go numb because the perils facing us are so per pervasive. This numbing touches us all. No one is unaffected by it. No one is immune to doubt, denial, disbelief about the severity of our situation. This is what is important. The severity of our situation that we're numbing out to and we continue business as normal as though it doesn't exist. And what do we do? Yet, in, of all the dangers we face from climate chaos to nuclear welfare, warfare, sorry, none is so great as the deadening of our response. Activists and their organizations trying to arouse us to the fact that our survival is at stake decry public apathy. The cause of our apathy, however, is not indifference. It stems from our fear of despair that lurks beneath the tenor of, tenure of our daily life. A dread of what is happening to our future stays on the fringes of awareness, too deep to name and too fearsome to face. Because of social taboos against despair and because of the fear of the pain. There's great pain in this, you guys. These can be heard um, to acknowledge or express directly. They are kept at bay. The refusal to fill takes a heavy toll. It is not impervished. It is not only impervished our emotions and sensory life. Flowers are dimmer, less fragrant, our loves less ecstatic, but psychic numbing also impedes our capacity to process and respond to the information. Here is the 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 numbing, right? Is our cause we we have a psychic ability to tap into these things and in the past we were able to like feeling the earthquake before it came feeling tsunamis before they come because we are all interconnected there's a high vibra vibrational frequency that happens the earth itself is giving us signals the the cosmos gives us signals it tells us something but what we have is noise pollution we have light pollution. We can't see the skies the way they should be seen at night, right? Unless you live in a place that's very, 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 very dark and doesn't have any electricity. So we have disconnected and numbed ourselves out from it. Business as usual, okay? Because why? It's too hard to face it. We don't want to face this fact and it's hard. So we numb out and then we disconnect from our ability to be with the earth, to be with the mother, okay? The energy expanded in resisting despair is diverted from more creative uses, depleting the resilience and imagination needed for freshly vision, visions and strategies, which is what we need. Fear of despair erects an invisible screen, filtering out anxiety, provoking data. In a world where organisms require feedback in order to adapt and survive, this is suicidal. In other words, we do not have the senses to understand the feedback that the mother earth is giving us we can't even feel it we don't even see it we've numbed ourselves out from it we can't react fast enough we're totally disconnected 
and to look it in the face and recognize what we have done is far too much for some people to look at. It can cause great, 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 great sorrow. Depression even. But not looking at it is going to be the damnation of us too. So how do we, what do we do? How do we, how do we come to terms? Well, I say, all you have to do is go outside, put your hands in the soil and give the mother a kiss and say, I'm with you. Remember me and I'll remember you. I'm sorry for what I did. Help me heal. Instead of numbing out and acting as though it doesn't exist, does that mean that you can change it on your own? No, it doesn't mean that because it's going to take all of us. It's honestly, this is too big for one person. Not one person. It's going to take a whole bunch of people. Okay, concealing in India. Uh, once again, the young mother, her leprosy was advanced, the doctor pointed out, because for so long she had hidden signs, varying um, ostracism and banishment. She had covered her sores with her sari, pulled a shoulder drape around so no one would see. In similar fashion, I did. Um, I later hid my despair for our world, cloaking it like a shameful disease. And so I've learned, do others. We do. We hide our despair for what's going on in the earth because we don't want to bring people down. We don't want to be a Debbie Downer, right? Despair is tenaciously resisted because it represents a loss of control. That's a big, another thing. We cannot control what's to come. We are trying to fix something we can't. There's nothing to fix. We just need to remember. Work on healing yourself and ask the mother to help you heal. An admission of powerlessness. The acknowledgement of despair for the future is a kind of a social taboo, especially here in America. And those who break it are considered depressed or depressing, unable to control their feelings, which is something that we don't allow. It's not depression and it can lead you to depression if you stay there. If you don't move forward, yes. Right? And nobody wants to, to what does it say? No one wants a Cassandra around or welcomes a Banquo to the, to the feast nor are such roles enjoyable to play. When the prospect of our collective suicide first hit me as a serious possibility, I felt that there was no one I could turn to in my grief. I have loving, intelligent friends and family, but, but what could I say? Do I want them to feel this fear of horror too? What can be said without casting a pall or without seeming to ask for unacceptable words of comfort and cheer? So we do this. And, and, and it's very, it's sad because we can't talk about the despair. We can't talk about it like, oh, let's just numb out business as usual. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist until it does, right? I will only love you from a distance. Yep. Pathologizing. To ease, uh, to ease our suffering, we persuade ourselves that we need treatment and pills. Some of us even persuade ourselves that we are mentally ill or in need of care. And trust me, it can get that way, right? The highly profitable pharmaceutical industry is more than ready to cater to such needs. And that's what they do, right? Psychotherapy by at large has offered limited help for coping with these feelings and more often tends to pathologize them. Many therapists have difficulty crediting the notion 
that concerns for the general welfare of our planet might be acute enough to cause distress. Trained to assume that all our drives are ego-centered. They tend to treat expression of this distress as manifestation of personal neurosis. I often hear from students and readers the kind of response they receive when in psychotherapeutic hour, they express their grief or anger over the e ecological or social issues. What might this concern represent that you are avoiding, avoiding in your own life? In such a way is our anguish of our world delegitimized. In our own case, deep dismay over destruction of nearby forests was diagnosed by a psychotherapist as fear of our own libido or sexual drive, which the bulldozers were said to symbolize. And my painful preoccupation with U.S. bombings of Vietnam was interpreted as an unwholesome hangover of Puritan guilt. Such therapy, of course, only intensifies the sense of isolation and craziness that despair can bring. So what is this telling us? We are not accepting the fact that we have done these things and that, and also that people that can feel um, earth empathy and feel cosmic empathy um, are crazy and that there's something wrong with them and that it's all about them and it's not. It's just that we can feel the, the energy of these beings telling us that they're mourning, they're hurting and we wanna be with them. So what do we do? Be with them. Be with them. You don't need to fix it. There's nothing to fix. The damage has already been done. We can't bring back amphibians once they go extinct. We're going through a mass extinction and we can't bring back that that was lost. The earth gave birth to that. We can't give birth to those things. We try to do it in laboratories and all this and that, but we, we're not earth. We're not the great mother. We didn't give rise to all the species on the planet and all the systems that we see that are happening around us in the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. We don't have the capacity to recreate what the earth has, what the cosmos have. We're a participant of it. We don't need to fix it. We just need to be with it. <laughs> At the root of our difficulty in accepting the genuine depth of human concern and even the pain for the world lies in dysfunctional notion of the self, okay? It's the notion of the self as the isolated and fragile entity. So long as we see ourselves as essentially separate, competitive and ego identified beings, it is difficult to respect the validity of our social despair. Both our capacity to grieve for the others and our power to cope with the grief springs from the great matrix of relationships from which they arise. We are, as open systems, sustained by flows of energy and information that extend beyond the reach of our conscious ego. We have become so egocentric. We think that we can fix things. We can't fix nothing. There's nothing to fix. The great mother, the mother earth doesn't need to be fixed. She just needs to be remembered. It's that simple. Be with her. Mourn with her. If you feel when when great things like stuff that happened in Turkey, some people can tap into that and have that feeling, right? They connect with it. They can feel it. If you felt it, there's nothing wrong with you. I fell to my knees and cried for days because I could feel all of the energy, all the loss, right, of life. 
I cry because I feel the loss of all that the mother has given us and all that the destruction that we have done as, as a human species. But do I need to fix it? No, I can't fix it. No one can. At this point, there's nothing that needs to be fixed. We just need to remember, be with her, connect, reconnect with her, mourn with her. You can mourn with the mother. She's she's in great mourning right now. You know, I think that maybe she can go on a rampage, but deep, 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 deep internally, there's a mourning that happens every time we kill off a species. I can't stress it enough, but that's okay. Respecting despair. Let us, first of all, disabuse ourselves from the notion that grief for our world is morbid. To experience anguish and anxiety in the face of perils that threaten us is a healthy reaction. Far from being crazy. This pain is a testimony of to the unity of life, the deep interconnection that, re that relate us to all beings. Pain for the world is not only natural, it is a necessary component of our ability to respond. As in all organisms, pain has a purpose. It is a warning signal designed to trigger remedial action. It is not a banishment by injections of optimism or serums or positive thinking. It is a healthy, normal human response to the situation we find ourselves in. Faced and experienced. Its power can be used. As the frozen defenses of our psyche thaw, new energies and intelligence are released to help us face the loss of meaning we are confronting. Despair work is different from grief work in that it, it, its aim is not acceptance of loss. Indeed, the losses we are witnessing are hardly to be viewed as acceptable but it is similar in the dynamics unleashed by willingness to acknowledge, feel, and express our inner pain. From my own work and that of others, I know that we can come to terms with apocalyptic anxieties in ways that are integrative and liberating, opening awareness not only to the planetary distress, but also to the hope inherent in our own capacity to change. I mean, whatever this woman has to write is right on point and i highly recommend that you get the book joanna macy um just does amazing work in terms of that and and it's true we are at a point where we're feeling a lot of people are feeling that planetary pool the morning ecological crisis mm -hmm. they know what's going on they feel it very deeply there's nothing wrong with you if that's what you're going through there, you know the world itself is call you wrong because they want everybody to smile and put on a happy face. But the reality is that's not always the case. There's a great despair and it's okay to mourn. It's okay to go through those feelings. Is it okay to stay there forever? No, that can get pretty toxic for you. But it's okay to face it, be with it, and then ask yourself how you can wake up and, and love every day of your life, right? I'm here to love. So how can I be in love with the sunset and the sunrise? How can I be in love with the trees and the, and, and the dirt? How can I be in love with all the creepy crawlers that this earth has given birth to? How can I find love in my heart so that I can love my brothers and sisters? If you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love other humans. It's going to be very difficult for you. 
to love other humans. It's easy to love a dog. It's easy to love a cat. Not so easy to love another human because, again, we are constantly trying to fix something um, or we're constantly, the ego's getting in the way um, or, you know, we don't think we're good enough, whatever it is that shows up for us as humans. And, and it causes us to do great damage to our personal relationships and the relationship we have with the mother. Okay, so go out and be with the great mother. Go touch the earth, go hug a tree, you know, and, and not like a tree hugger hippie, like it's, it's not a woo-woo thing, but to really feel her energy. You know, there's something that you can also do with the earth is it gets rid of free radicals actually when you walk barefoot it barefoot on on the earth so they always say go take off your shoes walk in the sand gets rid of free radicals she knows how to take that pain and suffering and transmute it for us when we hug a tree and and we're saying help us you know give us stability i need to lean on you and we do that she takes that energy and she transforms it into something else for us so be with her. Just remember her. Touch her. When you touch the earth, you're touching the mother. When you touch a tree, you're touching the mother. You know, we we're we're kind of removed from that because we live in our buildings, right? We live, you know, we live in houses and we live in, you know, places that are above the earth or whatnot. But if we go ground ourselves in the actual earth and touch it and be with it, then we remember that we're a part of this bigger system that that we're interconnected and that she loves us regardless. You can hear her speak to you, right? Through the wind. Hello, Rook. So hopefully that helps. There's there's a lot more going on. Um, you know, I think with me, I world is lover, world is self. And um, I think Joanna Macy hit it on the head for me the nail on the head for me on that despair and grief and, and feeling the whole cosmos and the earth. And we want to, you know, psychoanalyze it and stuff like that. the reality is we feel deeply because the earth feels deeply and we're feeling her pain and there's nothing wrong with you if you feel that. So I just want to continue to say that there's nothing wrong with you. Um, it's completely normal. Doesn't mean that you just care about your own survival. You're just mourning what has been lost and 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 we're doing maybe a big death ceremony for all of the life that we've killed off, you know? Yeah, she's shaking for attention for sure. She wants us to remember her. She's like, why have you forsaken us, you humans? Why have you forsaken me? I've given you life. I've given you breath. I've given you food. I've given you shelter. I've given you, I mean, she's given so much, you know? It's almost... You know, I, I hate to put it in gender roles, but it's the same thing. It's, it's you know, they always say women don't want to be fixed. They just want to be heard. So you can apply that same concept to the earth. She doesn't want to be fixed. Stop, stop trying to fix her. Just hear her. Be with her. That's it. <laughs> you know? But here we are with this, you know, masculine approach to life. And we're like, we got to fix this problem. Well, no, you don't. You created the problem by trying to fix it. So stop trying to fix it and stop and just listen. <laughs> she just wants to be loved, right? Absolutely. Total love bug, right? Total love bug all the way. 
and yet we think we're gonna fix something it's just it to me it's just oh my god and i don't know how people don't get it i mean people were even because i'm reading like i told you i'm doing living systems and i do not agree with that paradigm they want to figure out how to solve these wicked problems and i'm like why are you trying to solve anything you're not you're not the great resolvers <laughs> We're the experiencers of life and not the resolvers of life, but we've created problems to resolve. We can't help ourselves as a human species for whatever reason. We just have to fix it. <laughs> and we can't, and there's nothing to fix. <laughs> we should be working on ourselves. That's that's where we need to, to understand. Like, how do we not even fix ourselves, but how do we come to terms with who we are as humans, right? Because humans always want to disturb the peace. Yeah, they they we do, we've done a number on this place, man. I don't know. We're definitely a weird species. You know, I just uh, you know we're a weird species. And I would say there's definitely certain humans that are not on the same kind of species field. <laughs> species field, um, you know. It's like, I don't even know. Sometimes I'm like, how do people really think this way? Like they do, but they do, you know, they do. And then, and, and it's, to me, it's mind boggling. I'm like, how can they, how could that be their mind? You know, they have to be coming from some kind of, their energy field has to be coming from, I don't know, a different, I don't know where it's coming from, to be honest. I can't even say, you know, another cosmic field that's trying to devour the earth or something. I don't trying to trying to um, extract all suck up all the life from the earth or something, you know, it's like, like vampires <laughs> or something like maybe we have like cosmic vampires and cosmic earth vampires, you know, that just want to come and suck it dry or something. I think, yeah, the earth definitely cleanses. Um, and, you know, that's part of what I'm saying is she doesn't need to be fixed. She just, but, but there's a great mourning because we have been um, a cause of a lot of death and, and humans have caused a lot of death, you know, in, in the planet. And so, you know, I think that the great mother mourns her dead. I mean, think about it, a, like a mother gives life and then her child dies, you know, that's like, whoa. You know, but we've we've killed off a lot of species. You know, we've been the reason for it and we don't take responsibility for it. And by any means, we don't. We're trying to fix it instead of just take responsibility for it and stop our shit. You know, it's like it's like, oh, um, uh, we made we we made a problem. Let's go fix it instead of saying, yeah, we made that problem. We should probably stop doing what we're doing because we're just causing more problems, you know. <laughs> but we, you know, humans, I, they don't think like that. They want to think in these complex systems and, and, and even myself, you know, until recently, you know, trying to fix something and there's nothing to fix. Um, you know, and so I'm coming to, uh, an expansion of consciousness myself. Like as we, as humans, we have the capacity to expand our consciousness and, in that expansion of consciousness, we start to understand from, um, I don't want to say different levels, but for a lack of a better term, we see it from a different level of understanding. 
And that's not to say that the levels that came before it are, you know, that it's better than or not. So that's kind of why I don't like to use levels because sometimes people get on a high horse, right? This is not about a high horse. I have the ultimate way or truth. That's not, that's not what's needed right now anyway. Like we all need to get off our high horse. That's what needs to happen. Everybody needs to get off their high horse that they have the answer because they don't. Nobody does. We, we, we are too small to understand everything. And what we've done, here's what we've done as a species. We said, oh, shit, we've, we've made a problem. Now we got to fix it. So then we go try to fix it and then 20 more problems show up. And then we keep trying to fix these problems when there's, where there was nothing to fix to begin with. Right. There was no problem to begin with. We, if we would have just continued to do our thing. But we've created this massive problems and and living systems. Why I don't agree with that paradigm is that it aims to fix something. Well, I'm saying I don't agree with that at all. Um, and I think that what we get to do is to reconnect to all systems, right, is to um, remember that we are a part of the, the grand design and, and we've made a mess and we just need to take responsibility for the mess we've made. I just, that's that simple. Take responsibility, all of us. We've killed a number of species from our behavior. And in that killing that we've done, you know, saying I'm sorry and mourn our brothers and sisters. And I don't mean human beings too. I mean, all our brothers and sisters, meaning all the creatures that we've killed off, um, you know, mourn with the earth because she's mourning the loss of her creation. Right. Um, and be with her in that morning, not try to fix her not try to recreate because we'll just go to our laboratories and try to figure out how we're going to reconstruct an atmosphere. <laughs> like we're God, we have this God complex. It's just, it's crazy. And, uh, and I think humans just continue to do that. You know, we just continue to put ourselves on a pedestal and think that we can fix stuff and, and <laughs> it's, it's operating the way it's supposed to and us trying to fix it is the problem actually. <laughs> repetitious story yeah and and humans keep doing it you know it's just like but how do you get them to stop you can't you know you can't get everybody to just stop it's not gonna happen um and uh i think claire graves who did he's the uh he's the the father of um spiral dynamics the inventor of spiral dynamics um he said that in one of his lectures, you know, I think he realized too, I think he came to that final conclusion of like, the more that we try to solve problems, the bigger the problems become. And the more we have to find um, ways to resolve them, the greater. And to just like, our problem is that we're trying to solve problems. And that that's the problem. Stop doing that, you know, um, just stop. But, um, but we won't because humanity's not, we're not wired that way for whatever reason. And it could, you know, we could go back to like, how, why are we try to explain why we're that way? You know, they, they go back to like, um, you know, we could go to biblical stories and, and all that and say, well, we ate from the knowledge and, you know, we just want to know. And in us knowing it's caused all this craziness, you know, if we were just, you know, like the birds and the bees where we just, lived within the system that was designed without you know questioning and all this stuff that perhaps you know we would quote unquote be ignorant ignorant right 
ignorance is bliss. We would just go on living. We wouldn't be questioning and trying to fix problems that are not there or creating problems to fix. But we do that. It's, it's part of the hum, human nature to do that. Um, but I think as the, the great sages and, and I don't want to say gurus, cause again, that's God complex, but I think as people, um, expand consciousness, they'll come to the conclusion that there's nothing to fix. And at the end of the day, we just, we, we, we can love, we can love the earth and, and be grateful that she's given to us and that we've had a chance to experience life, you know? I don't question too much of a tool for that. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of enjoy life, be with life, but also give respect back to life, you know, and 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 remember that if we if we're going to take something, give back. You know, if you um you know, if you're eating a lot, then go give some seeds to the earth to grow a, a fruit tree or whatever. You know, just like that. But if we take, 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 there's a book called The Giving Tree. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And um, that's a pretty good example. It's a very simplified way to describe what we've done. <laughs> we just take. We're takers. Humans are takers. <laughs> you know, and I say that not as like every single human being, right? Of course. But, you know, on the larger scale, that's what we've done. We've taken. having given back enough greedy humans yeah they become very greedy um and so we could simplify it you know and then i think we make it very complex and that's you know that's that's the problem we need to go back simple simple keep it simple stupid right <laughs> that's what they say that's the thing so but i i highly recommend because even in all this um people feel the mourning and and you're not crazy if you're mourning loss of these of the species on the planet that have gone away okay yeah money and power cause it yeah there's a lot that goes into it and like for me because eventually um when i get my phd i'm gonna enter a phd program soon uh, probably about a, oh, I'd say about a year, um, right, um, I'm going to be looking at, you know, how, how, more important, we under, I think we understand kind of how we ended up in the mess we were in, I think so, most people, I would say, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, that they kind of understand that, you know, we've lived in a patriarchy system, right, everything's very patriarchal, and there's been an imbalance of power because of it. Um, and that imbalance of power <clears throat> has led to a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, imbalance of power and wealth as well. <clears throat> and by wealth, I mean um, materialism, money, whatever you want to call. So, you know, there's this great imbalance. And um, I think there needs to be a remembrance of the both and, right? Both the patriarch and matriarch together as as a unity um a cosmic and planetary relationship but somehow that's just been yeah it's just been out of the conscious of the of humans and we talk about it right we talk about the sacred feminine coming back in but the problem is here 
Um, and this is why I'm very um, reluctant to take to any one worldview at this point, because I don't think anybody really has has it. I don't think it's uh, emerged the way it's supposed to at this point. I know there are worldviews that they're looking at, but I don't agree with them, um, actually. So I personally wouldn't adopt that worldview that they currently have, but there needs to be a integration of both the feminine and masculine, not just one or the other. And, um, and then we can find harmony and balance. Um, but we don't have that at this point. That's, I mean, it's very, very patriarchal. Most of the world is, um, war is patriarchal and we need to sort of understand what does a system look like to have both a balance of both matriarch patriarch, not just one or the other, but both and, and, and then what does that look like? I don't know. I don't think we can even imagine a world like that yet. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think I, I have found a program, um, and, um, one of my professors who's coined the term tarot psychology, I asked him, I said, did you coin this term? He said, yeah. So figured he did just based on the readings, um, but to talk to him, um, and be with him in terms of, you know, what is it imagining what a world of both and looks like instead of either, or win-win competitive, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know that it's, I think it's in our imagination. I think it's stirring there, but I don't think that it's emerged as a worldview. Maybe it has, but I haven't found it yet. So if I do find it, um, I will share, you know, I will share like, here's an emerging worldview that can help us reconnect to living systems, not living systems. I hate, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even say I hate it, but I don't like that term because I don't like that worldview doesn't resonate with me. Um. And I thought living systems was something totally different than what it is. But I think, um, you know, emerging worldview gets to be a worldview where we're not trying to fix stuff, but we're just allowing ourselves to, it's kind of like a, like the Tao, right? The yin yang. I mean, we have all this kind of information, but imagining a world that's based on the philosophy of, both the patriarch and matriarch. So I don't know. I haven't found one yet. When I do, I will let you all know. Okay. All right. So there you have it. Have a good day. Uh, love you guys. And I'll be seeing you soon. Bye-bye.